0: There is a space where you are all you need, where you are all you want. All there is is here. Welcome to the Source Connection, conversations about who we truly are, the possibilities of creation, and the new earth we are birthing, with your hosts, Tara Long and Liz B.
1: Okay, hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Source Connection. I'm Tara. I'm here with my co-host Liz and our very special guest Satavir, today. And we're going to hear, um, we're going to have him introduce himself in a little bit. After we just tune in and have a few minutes of silence mm. and connect, connecting, connecting to that which we are—that is always already here.
0: So go ahead and relax as you need to
1: and let the body breathe how it wants to breathe in this moment without trying to change a thing. And just feeling that relaxation moving so naturally through the body and all levels of yourself, all aspects of yourself
0: which brings you home to the one true self. Just feeling that deepest sense of you. Remembering that everything you seek is always already here. Let's give ourselves permission for nothing to do, nothing to be for these next few minutes And you can repeat that phrase to yourself if you'd like. Everything I seek is already here. Everything I am is already here. The freedom that I want, that I seek, is already, always here. Feel how that feels in your body, in your system feel what it does what it shifts for you and that's a mantra
1: if you will that you can use any time any place in the middle of your busy day or sitting down for meditation
0: and taking another breath just letting it all go Letting everything go, everything mm. that I just said.
1: And returning to the space if you'd like to move the body. Coming back into time together, opening the eyes.
0: Welcome everyone again. <laughs> mm. Thank
1: you. So. Satavir, we'd love to hear from you. Just introduce yourself however you'd like to and then share with us, if you will, um, what brought you to this moment right now.
2: Thank you so much. And thank you for opening that beautiful space. It's so nice to hold space for each other, isn't it? I, I could just feel myself relaxing into that beautiful space that you held. And wow, that's a big part of what I do these days. But um, yeah, I started uh, in the Midwest and, you know, grew up feeling very much like an outcast because I had all of these strange abilities that I definitely wouldn't have called gifts at that time. But uh, later learned were gifts and and learned how to embrace them. But yeah, essentially, I, you know, I was always seeing energy around people in people between people uh seeing auras things like that and then i had my first mediumship experience at age 14 where i was communicating with spirits on the other side and kind of really you know always very artistic so was looking to uh, figure out a way to you know get my music out there get my poetry out there get all of my art out there and that's what led me to la but then I decided well I should probably do some normal people things too and you know <laughs> go, to, go to school for a while and maybe get you know that that regular job and figure out what the big deal is about being normal so uh, <laughs> so I did that and <laughs> It was, you know, it was fun for a minute. I, I got it and, and things were kind of rolling in, in my mid-20s um, in terms of my career and things like that. And then I really just started to have more of, of a connection again to what I learned was my higher self and some of my spirit guides and this purple orb that I had been seeing my whole life. Um, and and I was just getting these messages to go down to the spiritual bookstore and buy these crystals and buy these books and go to that yoga class and, you know, doing all these things, starting to sit and meditate. And, and these were things that I'd never really done before. And when I started to get closer to my return to Saturn, uh, that was really, really interesting because that energy really picked me up by the time I turned 27. I knew that I was going to be on a completely different trajectory felt like a completely different dimension. And Mm. that's exactly what happened. So all of the energy started coming back. I started seeing everything again, started hearing everything really committed to my meditation process and jumped into yoga teacher trainings and jumped into um, pretty much anything that that spirit moved me to do. I started just traveling all over to hot spot vortices, and Israel, and Egypt, and uh, India, of course. And you know, was was just doing all of these trainings—yoga teacher trainings and meditation trainings—and ended up in Glastonbury, England, and Mystery School, and all this stuff was firing off. My intuition was just going nuts, you know, getting more and more. Um, clairvoyance and things like that. So obviously I let go of the day job and um and started to figure out how to really utilize these other gifts that I had and um yeah I think the first thing that I really started doing was uh crystal healing because I was having a lot of flashbacks from ancient Atlantis and I had had them when I was a kid as well but I just thought it was my imagination. As I got older I realized anytime as a child that I would hold like quartz or something like that in my hand, that's when the memories would start happening
3: mm-hmm.
2: or these imaginative journeys as I thought they were. So yeah, the crystal kingdom has a really special place in my heart and my connections with Atlantis. And even before Atlantis um, in the Muria, I've had a lot of past life flashbacks from, from there as well. So yeah, Yeah, so I started kind of doing healings and then really uh, started teaching a lot more yoga and meditation and then just working with so many people in spiritual counseling and you name it, um, you know, esoteric spirituality and metaphysics are really my thing. So that's kind of me in a nutshell.
3: Wow. (laughs) I'm in the jump scene, right? I know. (laughs) Oh, I, when we, when I told Tara, I said, I'd love to ring my dear, beloved friend, Satavir, and, um, and she said, what does he do? And I said, you know, you're trying to find the words to explain. And the best way I found to explain was, it's almost like you're a guide in between the multiverses. It was the best way I got to explain to her. And as you were talking right now, it was just bringing back memories for me of our sessions and our time that we've spent together and our paths crossed during yoga training. And so I feel very blessed that I had Satavir as one of my guiding teachers during that time. Always patient, always kind. I would talk his ear off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um. But the way you're able to bridge what I feel as the multiverses and the megaverses and all that is just so clear. And it's just and I'm so excited that you're here to sharing that presence with you know our listeners and with us. Thank you.
2: Mm. Thank you so much. Yes. I mean that's one significant part of the story that I left out, which is that that purple orb that I would see, you know, growing up uh, manifested itself one night in my living room when I was meditating and introduced itself as Archangel Metatron and then proceeded to pull my astral body out of my physical body and give me a tour of the Omniverse. And how dimensions are separated, um, how the creator gods design these holograms for souls like us to learn and serve and evolve, and uh, yeah. So that was that was a really really incredible experience that never quite allowed me to perceive life or reality the same way again. And that that was really coming to me uh, in our opening meditation and silence. Even I was really aware of the illusory nature of the hologram, but also the relevance of it. And it's one of my favorite teachings is to help people see how backing off of the belief in this reality a little bit can give them more breath and space Mm -hmm. to actually dive deeper into it. When you just have that ability to back off from it and really relate to yourself as an eternal continuum of consciousness versus just this human with all of these potential dangers and stressors and limitations, right? Then life really has a way of of turning itself around and and your Mm. perception just expands more and more. So that was a really yeah, special gift that I hadn't consciously thought about for a long time. But with your, yeah, beautiful way of opening the space, it kind of clicked in and feels really present with us today.
3: Mm. Mm. I love that.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that zooming out perspective. Mm. And then everything is different, you know, from our microscopic little <clears throat> minds and how we're seeing things. and. So I'm wondering how, what that was like for you, Satavir, like in your experience of what was that sort of progression like? And because and, once you have that sort of direct experience of that, oh, oh, this is what I am. It's you can't go back, right? You can't unknow <laughs> that or unsee that or whatever. So like, what was your, did you have a moment? Was it a slow progression? Like, what was that like for you? And what did it look like? The embodiment of that in your life, because that a lot of people have that notion that it's one or the other, but Mm -hmm. as we know, it's all the same and it feeds, you know, that embodiment of that knowing is what we're here for (laughs) ultimately. So what was that like for you?
2: Oh, I mean you're you're absolutely right. I was just seeing how in the quantum field all versions of us are always connected. So absolutely, it's all the same. You're right. Unity consciousness is is really just even relating to unity consciousness is is the key into the quantum and and everything that exists all at once and the timeless space. But yeah, before we go <laughs> too much further into that, <laughs> let's, let's break it down. Uh, so for me, the embodiment of it took a very, very long time because we're talking, you know, 2007, 2008, like that time period where we were still really in the lead up period to the shift into the age of Aquarius and kind of waiting for that 11, 11, 11 to happen. And then the 12, 21, 12 to happen. So during that time things were even more dense than they are now right it was like a little slower we didn't have all of these really advanced souls on the planet like recent years have brought all of these crystal children and indigo children are now here supporting the the consciousness shift and helping to move us onto the new paradigm but at that time it wasn't um it wasn't so primed and, and the percentage of people who were really having those kinds of experiences, you know, it was a lot smaller, even though it doesn't feel like that long ago at all, um, the world was actually very different. So for me, it was immediate, of course, having that experience and then jumping back into my body and thinking, whoa, that was amazing. Now what? And, and certainly the, the shift in perception was immediate. So right, that part was kind of yeah. like, oh, right. I've heard this analogy a lot that life is like a video game or we hear people talk about the world stage and we're, we're all just playing a character, but it's not our, our true identity. And, you know, that all started to make sense. But... Of course, usually what we do first is conceptualize things. So that made sense to me, you know, mentally, intellectually, but took me a while to unpack and really figure out, okay, how, mm. how, how do I allow all these facets of myself to coexist in the most balanced way? So mm. I went through a couple of years, like only wearing robes and refusing to wear <laughs> shoes and... and <laughs> Like Uh, places like I I just can't stand the energy of the grocery store. So (laughs) it was, it was that whole situation. But it did give me space to explore the spectrum, right? Of what is it like to be that high in the clouds and sort of that connected on Mm. the soul level and then realize oh, but I came here with a destiny. I came into a physical body like all of us do for an important purpose. So how do I bring myself back down and find that balance point between the density and the light that I had then experienced and then kind of bringing it together as nature always seeks balance. So, yeah, yeah, so I feel... um, at this point, really excited about having had a lot of these metaphysical experiences. You know, I have supernatural experiences happening all the time, even in my client sessions. Um, it's, It's remarkable, but also not giving into the fantasy of it all, always looking to see, okay, when I have an experience like this, how does it break down to the pragmatic level, and how can I share it with others in a way that can empower them? So, you know, Archangel Metatron and and all of my guides and my higher self—they're all empowerment-based energies, frequencies, teachers. So, I want everyone to be exponentially more powerful, more psychic, more, you know, more of everything than I am. I, I just want to see everybody really, really embodying their gifts and their abilities. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people are actually a lot more enlightened than they let on. Mm -hmm. It's not really felt safe for people to kind of come out of the spiritual closet and, and really be and communicate um, transparently about things they've seen, things they've experienced, abilities they have. I think there's a lot of fear in you know, coming forward with that kind of stuff. And it's, it's pretty powerful for me to kind of work with people and, and see their abilities and see them opening up and see those emotional releases even of like, wait, I can talk to you about that spirit that I saw or that, you know, <laughs> whatever their experience was. And, Dude, and it's so. like, of course, of course, people who aren't even looking for those experiences have them yeah. every day. Hmm. Yes, so yeah, I a lot of grounding.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we were just gonna get to that because you talk about the time space continuum that we're experiencing here as these bodies, right? And how sometimes the perceived notion of time moves in a certain way in our ability to comprehend, but there's so much more at play. And how have you been able to? integrate? And what does that grounding look like to you? Because I feel like being a complete being in such pressurized times, it may look different for everybody. And so, mm-hmm. what does that grounding look to you? What do you do to support that grounding and that connection and that state of equanimity and balance?
2: Oh, yeah, beautiful question. And I, I really feel like I'm cheating at life a lot because I have such an integrity in the work that I do that I'm always coming back to how do I embody this teaching when I come Mm. into alignment with really important high level information. Mm. I have a really strong devotion to embodying that but that's not just for me. That's because I also feel an obligation to really walk my talk for all nice. the people that I'm working with and, you know, the classes and things that I teach. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely my life hack doing this work. And and I really bow to people who are doing other things, following their, you know, artistic passions or working in corporate America, and, you know, wherever. And, you know, that's, that's like a whole nother level of being able to sustain this frequency when you're going into all these different environments, where I have the luxury of kind of being in this spiritual bubble. And right. it's, uh yeah, it's not it, it's not really fair. That's my point. And people are always like, <laughs> how do you stay so centered and balanced and you're always happy. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I have no children. I have no <laughs> boss to answer to. I, you know, it's, I, I kind of have it easy in many ways as well, but, um, but no, I'm, I'm really devoted. And I think, you know, I would be regardless to, to integrating the teachings because, I got a very important message from Metatron years ago, which was knowing is, is so much deeper than describing. Mm. So, right. We hear these teachings that we resonate with and we read books that we resonate with. And, and then when we hear them again, we say, Oh, I already know that, but it's right. It's because Mm. we've, we've heard it before or we've read it before. Do we really know it? if you're claiming to know something, that means that you fully embodied it. Otherwise you're just still describing it. Otherwise it's a familiar concept, but but knowing is very different than describing. So I always keep that in my back pocket. Do I wanna be describing something or do I wanna be sharing, communicating, living from that space of knowing? So when there's a teaching that feels really powerful, and I know that it's something I'm deeply resonating with. I hold that intention every single day to embody it and embody it and embody it. And of course, whatever we bring our attention toward or, or whatever we should be bringing our attention toward, even the universe facilitates scenarios, circumstances for us to practice in. Yes. And and it's kind of amazing, right? Even the things that you're pushing away, the universe always brings you. You know, when I was when I was younger, I would really, um, I'd really bump up against different personality types that I didn't prefer, and I'd be like, you know, why is that person so abrasive, or why is that person so obnoxious? And I'd have these opinions and preferences and maybe judgments, and of course, the universe would just bring me more of those people. <laughs> So that I could clear that energy and learn how to accept and embrace and, and understand more. And I really believe that, um, yeah, the greatest form of ignorance is rejecting that which you don't understand. Mm. And I can say that from experience. Wow. Mm.
3: We could do a whole podcast on that statement, right? I
1: know. like... <laughs> <laughs> That's so poignant. Whoa. So good.
2: So, yeah, but, it, but in addition to that, just to fully answer your question, I do just super practical grounding techniques too. Like, you know, everybody does the, not everybody, but hopefully there's a good amount of people doing the earthing right now and, you know, making yes. sure we get out into nature. Um, yep. You know, I do my my spiritual hygiene meditations all the time where I'm just setting a grounding cord from the base of my spine to the center of the earth pulling a flush of soft cosmic gold light through my aura through my body through my chakras letting go whatever doesn't belong to me whatever's Mm. not serving me and yeah i do super yeah practical visualizations and um yeah the spiritual hygiene piece really helps keep me grounded and if i like i'm spinning too much because I am Sagittarius, so I always love having a million projects at the same time <laughs> and all the fire and whatnot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if I feel myself spinning too much, I just, I just I touch my hands to my chest, right? Some of those mindfulness, presence type of mm. exercises or tools I use a lot for myself as well. It's It's really hard to be checked out somewhere else. Um, when you're, you're physically aware of, of touching your own body, touching your own heart, it really brings you back to the moment. So, yeah, I, I really use all of those, all of those tools.
1: Mm, I love the simplicity yeah. of that, you know, for everyone out there too, is just taking a breath and just touching your heart, your body, remembering that you're in this body and it's here for a reason. <laughs> Yes. super simple things really can be so people I often notice that people think it has to be so complicated I got to get my morning routine and there's 18 million things on this list and I got to do them all or else I'm not going to have a good day or whatever And you know like just like at the beginning of meditation just remembering that it's all right here and that awareness mm. of just bringing it back in every moment that wholeness it's so simple and like the simplest things to me seem to be the most profound thing. So, oh, oh gosh, um, I want to, I guess it's kind of switching gears, although it's all the same, right? <laughs> but so we are in a very extraordinary time on this planet, as we all know. And those of us who have been on this, you know, spiritual path or whatever, it's been quite, I mean, it's been a crazy ride for everybody this past year and a half. Um, I read a, I read a meme or something or a quote that said, if you haven't died and come back to life at least three (laughs) times in the past year and a half, we can't be friends. (laughs) Like if you haven't died to yourself somehow, you know, and, and that's funny. So it's just this, you know, we're purging so much collectively and individually. So what is, how have you navigated This past year and a half, what has felt relevant for you to bring into your awareness to shift, um, you know, maybe about yourself or how you show up or anything, just whatever Mm -hmm. feels, feels good to share.
2: Mm. I mean, you, you said it, you made a really, really great point in terms of these many dark nights of the soul that people are going through Mm -hmm. and, and shedding these layers of identity that's been really important and i've been doing that too and that goes back to what i was saying about recognizing yourself or your core identity as this eternal continuum of consciousness versus this is my gender this is where i grew up these are who my parents are this is what i do for work all the things but it's like that's that's where you started on accessing the pure awareness that's underneath all of these layers of the false self that we carry so i love looking at yeah where am i still really identified in terms of any number of those things and how can i back off of it and get a little bit more comfortable being nothing Mm. and i heard years ago that the key to infinity the key to opening to everything is being willing to be nothing so every morning when i start i i sit and i say to myself i am the silence i am the nothingness i'm mm. first the scalar wave and from there i can really navigate life and this realm with with a much greater capacity and um and so many more resources. So I I would love for everyone Mm. to be able to utilize this time to disidentify from all of the things that we're inadvertently pushing away. When I say, I like blue and your favorite color is red, then, right, we just, we have all these things that we identify with and, and it can create that divisive dynamic between us and others and we're not so good yet at kind of living in and celebrating all of that diversity. It tends to kind of like push people apart. So while, you know, that was maybe not the most relevant example with, with colors, but uh, you know, with, with people's preferences in general, yeah, we kind of like still get into our little groups and seek out people who will agree with us and all of that. And uh, yeah, and I think this is such an incredible time to really look at all of the ways that some of these um, contrasting energies that exist around us and even within us are looking to use that age-old methodology of divide and conquer. Yeah. And you don't buy into it as much when you're disidentified from all of your own And when you get to know your biases and you get to know your triggers, then you're not as easily pulled into all of the chaos and all of the drama that's really, really easy to get pulled into right now. So, yeah, I mean, one of one of the most powerful tools that Metatron gave me years ago was to find amusement in taking place, especially when you're feeling really charged about things mm. uh-huh. and, and fear as well is it's like an antidote to fear if you can find amusement in the situation you immediately back mm-hmm. off of it you immediately come out of that granular experience of it that we were talking about before and and you get more space again so Yeah. You had so much of the answer to your question within your question, but uh, (laughs) fun nonetheless to unpack this together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I've I've been going deeper and deeper into that and just leaning into my spirit self and kind of like surrendering to that flow state of making sure I just stay open to my higher consciousness and Mm -hmm. move along with it in the direction that it's, guiding me, even if it doesn't make sense, kind of really building that trust. I think in these last couple of years, I've been really, really deeply building that trust. And and someone asked me the other day, what is the hardest thing to teach people when you're working with people in this sacred work, personal growth, spiritual growth? I didn't even have to think about it. I said trust. Mm -hmm hundred percent we don't trust that we're going to be taken care of that the bills are going to be paid that everything's going to work out with our kids our relationships our circumstances in general is it's really hard to teach people trust so yep. if we can get into that one and really believe wow and if anything is to be taken from me it will only be for my highest good mm. I, mean, I honestly believe that and and then you don't live in that fear and that suffering um when things happen right we we have to respect life cycles we have to respect Mm -hmm. nature we have to respect a lot of these things that we can't control Mm -hmm. and yeah we're going to experience loss we're going to experience hardship it's part of this existence so how do we just let go and respect those cycles and patterns and know that we'll be completely held and equipped to deal with Whatever comes our way, because we're always equal to what's taking place in life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We're always equal to it. Yeah. And we feel stressed and overwhelmed when we forget that. Okay. And when we feel small and all of the problems feel big, that's when the stress and overwhelm comes. And that's when we start to suffer again. If we remember that we're always equal to our circumstances, Oof, we can really live in our excellence. We can live in our grit. We can live in our grace. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Just making notes over here. I'm not like... <laughs> 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 <away from> <laughs> Oof. Making it's notes for that.
3: <laughs> when you say amusement, that space of amusement, it makes me tap into innocence Mm. And the curiosity, a childlike curiosity type of place where it's just kind of like, oh, instead of trying to push things away or to make things a certain way that's more comfortable to us, but to be curious about it and to be innocent about it. Like, oh, oh what, what, what's that? And to soften? That has been a big word for me, soften. How to yeah. just soften
2: oh, uh, we don't realize how much control is running the show. Right? And the, the mind just wants to be able to predict everything because it's looking for that control. It feels okay. like if it can hold on to that control, then everything will be okay. But of course, control is the most illusory of all things. So, yeah, it's it's just so good when you can drop into that trust. And and the curiosity, as you said, and the innocence is, is so true, uh before we learn all of that control that's that's what we are and it's interesting how our minds will automatically jump to the conclusion that something is wrong if something doesn't play out the way that we had planned or the way that we had hoped the mind is so quick to jump to the conclusion that something's wrong and and when you cultivate that sense of trust to kind of replace the control. Then you meet these curveballs and surprises with so much neutrality, and you can embrace them and you trust that mm. the universe must have a different plan. There must be something else happening here that's ultimately going to benefit me, versus like
3: mm-hmm.
2: that didn't go well. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: you
2: go yeah. into that reactivity.
1: Yeah. It's so, an attachment to the outcome, right? Like it's supposed to be this. And that trusting right. that you talked about, as I find it too, with my clients, like you can't teach trust. You can't tell someone, just trust yourself. It's really a direct experience that one has to have for, for themselves. And so it's really about taking those even tiny risks, if you will, at first to show yourself, Oh, I can mm-hmm. trust. I can't, it did work out. Yes. It is okay. So just taking those small steps and, and, Liz and I talk about this all the time that this this time particular um right now that we're all here together is really the time of the inner guru, if you will, that Mm -hmm. nobody else is the authority for you. No one, no teacher, no guides, of course. I mean, we're all guides for our fellow brothers and sisters, right? And that's beautiful. However, it's this inner, this inner knowing that rules all for everyone. (laughs) So how does that come out, like in in your work or your life or or just anything
3: mm. that you
2: do? Oh, mm. I mean, yeah. When we look at the antithesis of fear, that's love, right? And and a lot of people don't realize that trust is a, an archetypal energy of the heart. Mm. So the more that we love, the more that we trust. The more that we love, the more that we prosper. The more that we love the more we forgive, the more that we love, the more compassionate we become. Right. So there's just, yeah, there's so much energy in in coming home to our hearts and coming home to that love. And um, yeah, I feel like that's, that's one of my core intentions and in the way that I set my tone for the day. Also when I'm kind of finished with my meditations and I'm, I'm jumping into my day I I make a commitment to greet the world heart first and and that's good physical posturing too right Mm -hmm. shoulders back and down chest lifted Mm -hmm. but also energetic posturing and then you put yourself in that vibrational alignment um, to really yeah kind of see that reflected uh, around you and that's the beauty of of accessing the inner wisdom the inner self that inner guru you're talking about first is is then you're not externalizing things you're not making your happiness contingent upon that next purchase or that person's approval or and yeah that next teacher that's gonna enlighten you like you're (laughs) literally enlightening yourself a (laughs) hundred percent that is the empowerment teachings no one can actually do your push-ups for you you can go to a million mm-hmm. classes. You can do all the things. You can watch YouTube videos all day long. Um, listen to this incredible podcast. But if you don't take what you hear that really resonates with you and put it into action, we're, we're useless to you, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm happy to give you a momentary yes. bit of inspiration, but I would much rather everyone who's listening really figure out what this means for them. How do I now put this into action for myself? How do I now embody this? And that's where the actual change happens. And that's exciting because you build spiritual mass and that spiritual mass nice. is yeah. something that you can take with you after you leave this body, nice. after you leave yep. this earth, yep. you get to take that with you. Gathering things is not a sign of intelligence, Right? Gathering wisdom, <laughs> g- gathering energy, <laughs> gathering spiritual mass. That is a sign of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Gathering mm-hmm. things is not a sign <laughs> of intelligence.
1: Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Oh boy, that leads to so much of your feeling all these words. And then- Yeah, I think if anything, everyone who's listening and taking a moment to really letting that sink in, that we've been, I think, predisposed or guided by the ways of the world to feel like we have to wait and we have progress or how we say oh, I've made it in life or, you know, I've conquered this or whatever thing. And what does it really feel inside? I feel like that's the, the point of really touching in. And you spoke about the heart and it's so beautiful that you, because every time I'm teaching yoga now, I'm always saying lead with the heart literally when you get into a posture, right? Some of the postures you can totally just, because in Kundalini Yoga, we roll the shoulders back, we tuck the chin in, and how does the heart lead in creating that meeting space between our three brain or intelligence centers in the physical body to then lead with that source, with that connection? It just brings so much juice to our interactions. And I feel like we tend to, just by that, call forth the better expression of the other that we meet. Mm-hmm. And immediately it's an invitation to that place in themselves. Yeah. That's my experience. Yes. And for the ones who are ready to receive that invitation, then you see literally people just raise up to their grace and their beauty and whatever thing that they're ready to um, you know, embody in that moment. And it's just Again, that trust and all of that, that both of you spoke of and the experience of that. And then you're, you know, at the end of the day, you're just like, yes.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. I think Buddha said it best when he said, have everything, but be attached to nothing. So, of of course, course it's beautiful to live in prosperity and, you know, have things that bring comfort and joy and and beauty into our lives. And yet at the same time, you're absolutely right. If the reason why we want those things is to somehow compensate for a scarcity that we have inside of ourselves, it's never going to feel good. And yeah, that was Mm -hmm. something I was just talking about yesterday, really revisiting this question many times a day. Why am I doing this? If I'm doing this to impress someone else or get back at somebody or to prove mm. something or to feel better about myself um, you know in in some superficial way, yeah you'll you'll just you'll just end up perpetuating more and more emptiness. But if you're coming from that place of fullness and that devotion to exploring the internal wealth the spiritual wealth that's inside of all of us then the reflection of that prosperity and that state of consciousness will come as well in the outer world of course in all the ways that are most relevant and and that's where you feel fulfillment because yeah things alone never lead to fulfillment and we talk about it all the time but it's really hard for people to 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 truly wrap that around their minds, because as you said, Mm. the world has entrained us to just keep gathering, gathering, gathering. And that's a sign of progress. That's a sign of success. And when you make a a deeper connection to cultivating that relationship between you and yourself, inner self, the heart, the soul, the higher self, you know, all of these different pieces of intelligence that we all have then you get a lot more connected to the real goals, right? The the real purpose of what your soul is truly here to do. But most people don't take the time to do that. So the only thing they, they know of to do is just get a better job, get a promotion, buy a nicer car, buy a nicer house. That is the progression, that is the pattern but that's for people who aren't really paying attention who aren't really connecting to themselves Mm. who aren't really tuned into what the real goals are so if we if we do that whoa we we have it all we literally have it all and and i'm Mm. at that crazy point where i look forward to The next piece of shadow work that's going to come up or the next time someone's going to trigger me because I'm like, I'm going to grow and I'm going to heal that and I'm going to clear that and I'm going to expand and I'm going to be, you know, an even brighter soul. This is going to be awesome. So, yeah, I'm always welcoming that next piece of unpleasant curriculum that the universe might have Mm. in store for me just because it's where the real work is. It's so fulfilling. So fulfilling. Mm. We have to stop pretending like we want life to be easy. It's such a cop out.
3: Mm.
2: No one wants to play a video game that's easy. No one wants to watch a movie with no plot. This Mm. is the hero's journey. Every single one of us are in character for our hero's journey. We cannot play the victims and pretend that Mm. we want life to be easy. Mm. We have to embrace the curriculum, it helps us Mm. to rise up to what we're actually capable of. I think Ooh. we're all just a bunch of Ferraris that haven't yes. been out of first gear yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's such a good way to put it. <laughs> I, is that the title of this episode? Yes. <laughs> we're all Ferraris in first gear.
2: Uh, yes. <laughs> let's see what these babies can really do.
1: Let's go out on the open road and see what, let's, <laughs> see what we can let's do. Let's gear them up. Oh, my God. Well, that's so... I mean, that's yeah. so right now. That's so what I feel coming online for everybody mm. really is this major shift in paradigm that we're seeing. I mean, it's already here. It's always been here. We just have been so distracted with everything else. That's been the construct of this game for that's what it's it, that's been the purpose of it right so far. But now we're coming into this whole new time where it's not anymore mm. and the whole the rules I, I feel are shifting. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> another paradigm is unfolding so beautifully. So I think that's, that's the question we usually like to sort of wrap up with is speaking about looking forward. Like, what are you most excited about to see in this new paradigm? And what do you feel your role is in that?
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've experienced (laughs) a lot as a collective, as a humanity, and even in these smaller communities in the yoga communities and whatnot, like yeah. people are, we're experiencing loss of people in terms of people leaving their bodies, we're experiencing loss in terms of, you know, information coming yes. forward, that's not so easy to swallow. There's been so much going on. Yes. And, and obviously, businesses shutting down has been really, you know, disheartening to see Things like that, uh, these little yoga centers and meditation centers having a hard time keeping up and figuring out how to transition to online and all of that, and um, and and through it all, I I've said to people several times I haven't really even needed to deeply grieve or get into the nostalgia of the past or what we're letting go of because i have so much to look forward to and Mm. and that is what it's like to live in flow state when every day you devote yourself to opening yourself to that flow of consciousness that will move you if you just Mm. respond and keep taking steps with that flow of consciousness you will always be collaborating with the intelligent energy that's already there and and each and every one of us is a space for a higher intention to for a higher intention to manifest itself through so i think all of us can be very excited about that how can i open myself how can i become more receptive to this intelligent consciousness that's all around That Mm. is so deeply desiring to use me, to Mm. use each and every one of us as a space through which it can manifest itself. This is this is what I feel is so exciting about the new paradigm, because we're seeing less and less people. Just kind of staying in miserable jobs or staying in miserable relationships. You know, people are getting the courage to walk away, to become entrepreneurs, to become more autonomous. Um, even in relationships, really calling out the toxicity. And as, you know, our awareness keeps raising, then things that were once acceptable and so normalized aren't anymore. And I'm just really, really excited about seeing all of that fall way i'm seeing i mean if we go really vast uh, my guides have been showing me that we're getting more focused on creating uh humanity in in terms of one human race people are getting much more uh attuned to that direction of unification Mm -hmm. so instead of being so identified with these different races around the world we're starting to identify race. as one human race, which is so beautiful. And beyond that is the recognition of one galactic race that we're dropping our arrogance mm-hmm. as well to even begin to think that we could be the only intelligent life, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're getting into this bigger picture of a galactic race also, we're kind of preparing for this new paradigm where we can be more interdimensional and have these cross-dimensional experiences with other beings as well that are incredibly supportive, have been supporting us this whole time. And um, I think the the exciting part for me is also coming off of this deep false fear matrix and this deep false scarcity matrix, which is keeping people really paralyzed um, in so many ways and keeping people in the density this new paradigm has much faster pulsating particles that are vibrating us out of the densities so that we can see everyone jumping on to this new matrix, which Mm -hmm. my spirit guides are calling humanity's freedom matrix.
3: Ooh,
1: yes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's, maybe that's the title. (laughs) So good. So we're Oh. Sucker. I love that.
2: It's amazing because mm. the false matrix mm. of, of fear and scarcity are really what, what lend us or make us vulnerable to the mind control and the manipulation. Yes. And I mean, maybe this happened to me this morning because we were going to have this conversation today. But I, I was in the shower and and I smelled my pits, right? And my pits did not smell so great. And, and, and I was like, yeah, I was soaping them up. And you know, that's why you're in the shower, I guess. But but uh, soaping them up, and I I literally got so angry because I was like, somewhere along the line, someone wanted to sell soap. <laughs> you know, like someone just wanted to sell soap, and we made this world agreement that we couldn't walk around with our natural sense
1: smelling right? like ourselves. Yeah, oh my God, we can't have our own body odor. No, yeah,
2: no, right? yeah. And so oh. then somebody wanted to sell, you know, this other thing with the aluminum deodorant. Oh and goodness! Somebody wanted to sell shaving cream, so they yeah. told women they weren't allowed to not shave their legs, and you know <laughs> <laughs> There's like all this crazy manipulation that happens yeah. and, and, and that's just, you know, the silly examples of marketing and, you know, right. all of that. Yeah. But how many other ways are we being fooled into things that we yes. don't need, limitations that don't need to exist And all of that we're awakening to, and we're taking our freedom back. We're emancipating ourselves from the mental cages, from the old paradigm cages. And it's just, I mean, I just have chills talking about it. We have so much to look forward to. It's such a powerful time. So we gotta, yeah, we gotta take advantage of this time and get good at getting quiet with ourselves The definition of self-love that my guides give me is being willing to sit with whatever rises up within you, not suppressing, not avoiding, not pushing down. Self-love is sitting with whatever rises up from your emotions, from your mind, from your inner child, from those exiles, those wounded parts, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. If you sit with them, they can get their needs met. They can tell you what they need and you can make that happen for them all of us have so many resources to take care of ourselves so that we're not disempowered anymore but we really can jump onto that new matrix mm.
1: <laughs> a, i love you <laughs> what a beautiful wrap-up that's so beautiful yes that's that whole <laughs> inner knowing and guru just coming out this is the time of that 100%. This is
3: the time. This is the time humanity discovers it's a Ferrari, right? Some are <laughs> Lamborghinis yes. and some are yeah. Porsches, and they're just like, "What? Yeah, I was thinking I was whatever I think, one and thing, one thing the whole so time, crazy. and here I
1: had all this other power I didn't know about." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Incredible! I'm yeah. so grateful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so yeah. grateful to be here with mm. you. Yeah,
3: while, yeah. Really. I have a question for the guys, Such though, a, just really quickly that, that I thought um, and maybe <laughs> said to be able to tap into that. But a lot of, and I know we're wrapping up, so I don't want to make this long, but a lot of cultures and in indigenous cultures and religious texts have predicted these times, right, in different ways to their own particularities and how kind of play out in um, a lot of... Um, words about this time. And I guess my, I I don't know if I have a question, but it is a question. Um, And I guess it doesn't matter at the end, but how do your guides or the what you're able to tap in when you look at this big picture and in this big picture, the time is just so, it's such a construct, a limited construct that we experience, but is it gonna still be bumpy for a while? Mm-hmm. Guess <laughs> <That's> my question.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we're it's the, the Age of Aquarius is kind of described as this golden age within this longer Kali Ug, this dark age, right? So if we look at it from that perspective, you're hundred percent right. I mean, all of these different indigenous tribes that were so deeply connected to these rhythms and cycles um, are completely aware of everything. And yeah, I think that the, the best answer, what I'm hearing from Metatron at the moment is, um, is yes, it's going to be chaotic, it's going to be turbulent, and we have everything we need to make mm-hmm. that feel smooth, right? To, to make yes, yeah, that, that, that context for ourselves to ride the waves really well. We're just all yes. getting better and better at surfing. So our former selves would have a really hard time dealing with mm. what's happening now, dealing with what's going to happen in the coming months. But um, but yeah, it's it's like we're all deeply equipped to to handle it and navigate it well, so it doesn't have to feel so hard. Not at all. Not at all.
3: I hear that and I feel that as well. Yes. But yeah. And last year, I think. Tara and I have talked about this, how much we've realized that we're really all having different experiences, right? Because of that reflection of our internal worlds. And for some people, things seems to be a complete 180 compared to what somebody else is experiencing and how we really, I feel, as beings, connected beings at this time, we really get to embody that and see that and experience that, and then hopefully um, showcase to others what that looks like so they can tap into themselves and then go, oh, I get to do that too if I choose to, and then c- co-create this experience.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes.
3: Thank you. Yes.
2: Wow. Thank, Thank you so, so. much,
1: Satavir. Satavir. Thank yeah. you so much. Where can people um, find you, Satavir?
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. i suppose a great place to start is Um okay. uh, my website kind of links out to mansion of the heart university which is my online university for a lot of different trainings nice. and things and hopefully i'll be able to get back to those uh reiki trainings and things like that too that are more nice. in-person events and i have a really great crystal academy program but um yeah, on my website, there's also a, a virtual version of that and an online sort of mini version of that. So yeah, lots of fun things. I'm, I'm always up to and, yeah. uh, yeah, I appreciate the, the community.
1: Mm, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here with us. I know all our listeners are super grateful and yes. we'll see you again yeah. soon.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely>. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Thank you, Satavir.
2: Thank you. Lots <laughs> <So>. of love.
1: <laughs> lots of love. Much love. Yes. Lots <laughs> of love.
3: Blessings.